0: So um, I want to um, I want to pick up on the theme I've been on for the last couple times that I've spoken. I'm I'm moving towards talking about, and we're going to get into this: the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, you know how they operate in the church, that type of thing. But what I wanted to do, and I'm continuing to do, is and I think I've already said this at some point, but oftentimes, especially those of us in charismatic circles, we treat the baptism of the Holy Spirit like it's this segregated event that happened. There was all this other church stuff, and then there was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, they, and we take the book of Acts, and we make the book of Acts look like They had to write the book of Acts because they needed some place to put chapter 2. Because chapter 2 is really the only thing in the book of Acts. (laughs) But it's not. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the continuum of the advancement of the kingdom of God that started through Christ's coming incarnate, God incarnate. And then, of course, through the crucifixion and the resurrection and then the ascension, we, um, without jumping too far ahead in my notes, I'll come back to this, but we, the kingdom of God functions differently than the kingdoms of this world, right? Yes. Yep, we've all, we, we all live in that, that realm. And so it's interesting to me that with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power. Now, the interesting thing is that the kings of this world, whoever they may, may be, little potentates or those that think they're a bigger potentate, but the kings and the movers and shakers of this world, the world system advances through violence and subjugation. The world system exists in a place where injustice is what's used to bring the masses into the control that they want the masses to be in. The kingdom of God, well, and so power is exercised through violence, it's exercised through weapons, it's exercised through coercion. It's there's a lot of different ways that it that it gets exercised. However, when the kingdom of God shows up, how does it show up? It shows up in God coming in the flesh, God incarnate, not coming in as a worldly ruler. So in, 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 especially in biblical times, there's probably some that still think this way today, but in particular in biblical times and even in antiquity, when a, a ruler was either thought to have been God at birth or more likely they became a God through rule. And ultimately, when they had subjugated a group of people, that that showed that they were godlike. That showed that they had this, this ability to use might and power to conquer. And gods conquer. That's what gods do. That's what the Greeks told us gods do. That's what the Romans celebrated gods do. That's what the, the Assyrians celebrated. You go right back into antiquity all the time. I become deity. Through my ability to control and to subjugate. Yahweh shows up, not in control and subjugation, Yahweh shows up in the form of a baby, being born in the normal way be it babies are born. And it's it's kind of I, I love the Christmas pictures that we see. Because you know, like one minute, Mary is looking very pregnant on a donkey. Joseph's leading the donkey, refusing to get directions on where they're going. Mary suggesting he talk to somebody because I don't think we should have made the right-hand turn there. And Joseph is like, I know where we're going. So they were having the normal conversations. And then the next minute, Mary is there. Jesus is born. He's got little golden rays coming out of the top of his head. Mary's got little golden rays coming out of the top of their head. Joseph is still lost trying to find the directions. I'm like, there was a birth. Jesus was born in the conventional way that human beings are born. And being born in that way, he was as vulnerable in the environment to which he was born into as all the rest of us when we were born. Because now, now Emmanuel has come, God with us, not God away from us calling us to come under him, God coming to us saying, I'm going to bring redemption and I'm going to change the, the, the world system, but I'm not going to do it as just some conquering hero that somehow f- comes out of nowhere, rides into town, and shoots the bad guy. Instead, he's God incarnate, he's, and he's come. He's now taken on our, our frame that he knows what it feels like. So as Joe was sharing about rejection, obviously Jesus, in taking on flesh, took on the ability to experience rejection. So that when we're rejected, he's not over here going, sorry about your luck. No, when we're rejected, he's right here next to us going, I'm right here, I get it. I get it. And I'm going to carry you through it, because you're victorious in me, because there's nothing that you're going to experience that I haven't already stepped into and stepped through and come out the other side victorious. So we're in this season where, where um, you know, as I, I have used this term, and I'll use it multiple times because I just, I, I just actually love this term. But to pull from N.T. Wright, we're at this place in human history where the revolution has begun. And it begins in a shepherd's keep outside of Bethlehem in what looks like just a normal event that happens all the time. A baby's born. But instead, at this birth, the angels show up and begin to sing. The angels show up and make announcements all of a sudden, heaven and earth unite and come forth together in a declaration of what's unfolding in this Advent. So let me start by, well, before I get there, I would suggest for all of us in this season, through now, through the end of the month in particular, read not just once, but read it, until it opens to you. Isaiah chapters 40 through 55. You want to know what God's planning? You want to know what his idea is for humanity? You want to know what his idea is and how he's going to accomplish that? He laid, it's all laid right out. Isaiah chapters 40 through 55. Puts the whole plan out, and then he executes it. In Isaiah 60... Verses 1 and 2. Arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. This morning, kind of the, the theme I'm going to be running on is glory. Does anybody actually, you know, there's a lot of verses where like here, the, the glory of the Lord is going to be upon you. Uh, we in his other verses talk about us being His glory. Talks about Jesus being His glory. Does anybody? What is how? Ha, ha, what happens when I becomes the glory? What what's the whole deal with this joy thing? How do I mean? We we are all like oh, we're the joy of the Lord, you know, and the joy of the Lord is our. Uh, no, that's a whole different thing. It's a song. I'm different that. <laughs> glory, glory, not joy, glory. Talk about glory, glory. And I would, and I'm not going to unfold all this today. It would take. It was just not in my, in my, where I'm going. But again, I would suggest that you do this. Just do a word study on glory through the scriptures, because it's there a lot. So what is glory? What is it when, if if I am reflecting now the Lord's glory, what is that? And I submit to you that you're going to find when you do that study, the glory of the Lord manifest in us is when we become image bearers. That's the glory of the Lord. It's not just the little golden rays shooting out of the top of our head. It's when I actually become an image bearer. That when my life now is so wrapped into and and expressed uh, and Christ expressing himself through me that I become the image bearer. That when I go somewhere, when I do something, I am expressing his image. I am taking the presence of God with me. I become that interface between heaven and earth on a continual basis, whatever I'm doing, however I'm doing it, whatever my vocation is. Because we're called to, to a holy vocation, the scripture says. Well, what's the holy vocation? Well, of course it's being a blacksmith. Now, the holy vocation is whatever he's called you to. It's what's he, what does he put inside of you? What did he create you for to be his image bearer in the earth? So that the people of the earth might see that he is the Lord. Yeah. How do I do that? We all do it differently. We're all made differently. Our vocations are different. One, 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 the work of one is not the same as the work of the other. But I'm telling you, and now I'm, I'm into my 51st year. You know, that song, I've decided to follow Jesus. When I got saved in 72, we were singing that song. I don't know when the song started but we were pretty sure it started with us. And we sang that song at every meeting. That song would be sung before the meeting was over, or you hadn't sung the me- you hadn't had a meeting. Right. It, it yes, you know, I've I've decided no turning back, no turning back. Now I did I had my turning backs, but then I had my turning backs. So eventually, there was no more turning back. To turn back, it was just, I've just decided. That's good. I'm gone. I'm off to the races. I've been running that race now for 51 years. I have decided to follow Jesus. And what I can say is, in 51 years, not because of any, any particular intellect on my behalf, but in the 51 years, what I've seen is to follow Jesus, to become an image bearer, to, to, to walk out your vocation in him, there is no higher calling. And that is the glory of God, that we are seen, that we're seen as his image bearers. So this place where for, <clears throat> for Israel, that we're now at this point where, where Christ has come on the scene. He's just been born. But these verses were known to to the Jewish people of that time. This is what they carried in their heart. They had been under Roman oppression. They had been under the oppression of the Babylonians. They understood that their sin had brought them to this place where life was not as it should be. Life was not how they had been created for it to be. Life should be something different, and yet they also understood that in their, in their handling of things, they had really made a mess of it. And there had to be some other way out of this because I can't get out of it on my own. Messiah has to come. And so there was a longing for Messiah. Um, so we, we, just to recap just a little bit, so we had moved from, you know, this, this journey. We started in a garden. The, the, the invitation of the garden was come and be co-laborers with me in my garden. And as co-laborers, you, you now get to exercise this thing called dominion. But dominion isn't self-centered dominion, and it's also not autonomous dominion. The dominion that you're supposed to exercise is being a co-laborer with me. You know, I've been playing with some language, and and I'm I'm becoming more comfortable with where kind of I've arrived with this, although it's still probably subject to change. But I find myself in my prayers, in particular with some of the things that I'm involved in right now, and going, Father, I'm in my father's business. I'm a son in my father's business. This isn't my business it's my father's business but he's entitled me he's invited me he's empowered me to be a son or a daughter whichever you know he's invited us to come with him and be at work in his business and if I'm at work in my father's business my father is the one that handles the success of the business I'm the one that gets to co-labor with him in that business so what are we going to do What's it going to look like? So as as we started in a garden, and in that garden there was the invitation, come, come co-labor with me. We'll walk in the cool of the day. We'll talk about the plans I have. Because this garden that you're in right now, the plan is that this garden become the whole earth. Instead of the garden becoming the whole earth, those that had the invitation became alienated from the garden, and now had to deal with the terms of the earth. And again, God gives an invitation. You know, with Abraham, he, ends, he brings in the, the Abrahamic covenant and, and starts talking about how through you, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world. The story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is not about blowing up the earth and killing everybody. That is not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is God coming over and over and over again in redemptive measures to find that which is lost, to bring it back, be rejected, find that which is lost again, bring it back, be rejected. He never changed his mind. He never has given up. And ultimately, he said, this is the way it's going to work. First, I tried it with Adam and Eve. Had a few bumps in that one. Then I picked the nation. I'm going to do it with the nation. I invite them to the mountain. And they say, nah, that's scary. Let Mo do that. We'll hang out down here. We still enjoy being autonomous. So that didn't go so well. And then ultimately he comes himself. And what's he done? He's brought us back to the garden and invited us to come and be caretakers in the garden again. And that the earth is being redeemed through the power of God, through his image bearers. The kingdom of God does not advance on its own. It's not over here chugging along, doing its thing, and we get to kind of step in, step out when we want. No, we've been invited to step in, no turning back, because the earth the ground humanity it all is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of god and the manifestations of sons of god is not so i get to strut around like some rooster in a hen house oh man i'm i'm a manifest son you mess with me touch my cadillac i'm a manifest son no it's not that stop it Manifest sons are servants. Manifest daughters are servants. Jesus was a servant. Man, to be a manifest child of God is to be invited into that place in, in uh, Romans 8. Like, um, I don't know. not Yeah, Romans 8. I think I actually have it in my notes. Yes, I do. It's on this thing called paper. I'm not used to finding it there. Right? No, actually, I don't have it on this piece of paper.
1: That
0: was Psalms. But anyway, Romans 8, like verses 19 to 21, where Paul talks about us being brought in where we don't even know what to do. We don't know what to say. So what happens? The spirit within us moans and brings forth intercession. As, as servants of God, as image bearers, we've been invited into the sufferings of this world that we might intercede and carry that through because our heart has been sealed in his heart that we will not be satisfied till justice is done on the earth if justice isn't present the fullness of the kingdom is not present and my job as an inner as a, a um, image bearer my vocation is just that to bring justice as much as I can, as many places I can, through whatever means God opens for me to do it. I think I've just left my notes. We like it though. Let's do this. Psalms two verses one through twelve. You know, the nice thing about paper is like when I move like I do in my iPad, the paper doesn't turn upside down. It actually stays where I hold it. That's, that's kind of a unique thing. I hadn't noticed that about paper before. <laughs> Psalms 2, verses 1 through 12. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... And you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The kings of this earth, the rulers of this earth, they can plot whatever they want. And they 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 plot things, obviously, that are not in the heart of Yahweh. But the kingdom of God is being released and the leaven is doing its work, and it is advancing on the earth. And we are in a season and in a time where we're seeing certain things being wrapped up. I'm not sure that I even know what that, what that means. But it's just a deep sense that I carry, that God is wrapping things up. Because at the, at the return of Christ, number one, this whole, if, if your theology has been You know, the kind of the whole rapture and and destruction and all that kind of stuff. Um, If that's been your theology, I'm not throwing stones. It once was my theology. Um, But what I will say, when you look at the scriptures, outside of how they've been written in somebody else's book, but if you just read the scriptures and let the scriptures define the scriptures... You're hard-pressed to make that argument from the scriptures. Because here, he even here in the midst of this, God's plan is to pour his glory out onto the whole earth. It's redeeming the earth. It's not destroying the earth. It's not burning it up. Yes, there are the enemies of God, and God will deal with them. But for us as the image bearers, we should be always acting redemptively towards whoever we encounter. If the nations are Jesus' heritage and the ends of the earth are his possession, I'm not sure why once you get your heritage and your possession, you blow it up. And I just, It just doesn't, doesn't, to me at least, it doesn't make sense. Instead of blowing it up, Jesus has acted redemptively. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever in the world believes on him isn't going to perish, but is going to come into life in him. The goal was always redemption. Now, I can have the consequences of my behavior. I get that. And God doesn't really have to show up to orchestrate that. My bad behavior will bring plenty of consequences with it at any point. So again, thinking about glory. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which have been set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you made him a little, a little lower than the Elohim and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, and the birds of heaven, and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the sea, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your ways in all the earth! This place again of glory. We have been created just a little lower than the heavenly beings, than than the Elohim of the unseen realm, but in that he has crowned us with glory. Well, what, what's the point of being crowned with glory again? Again, what, where, what does that look like? It looks like I'm an image bearer. And that's what the psalm is saying. I take the glory that's been given to me in Christ, and now I've, I disperse it. Even as Paul says in Romans eight, I disperse it. I intercede. I stand in the gap. At and and there's times that that will require of me my life. There's times that it that that's not the experience, but regardless, it's just like, no, I've been called to be this image bearer. Uh, I was um, thinking yesterday. Actually, it was out of a discussion that Nate and he- um, Heather Turnahan and I were having at their house. We it was a, it was a fun discussion. We were getting into the, the, the deeper realms of time, space, you know, just a little light conversation on a Saturday afternoon. Actually, we were trying to figure out how much time is between my fingers. How much time? Anybody know? I tried to figure that out. I think we're close. I think we're close. I just think in our first calculation, we didn't call Carrie pi far enough out. <laughs> And it left still a little bit of error, but we're working on that. But I, I was struck by, as we we're, were in this season and we're, think, we're looking at what, it, what was it like to be a Jew uh, at the, the last years of a AD calendar and the beginning of a BC calendar? What, what was it like to live in that time and, and to be there? And then to be in this place where things started to happen that left no room to, to question the experience. I mean, you're just a shepherd. It's just another night with a sheep. And all of a sudden, there's angels. And they're declaring things. And as they declaring th- declare things, all of a sudden, the heavens open up and the heavens begin to sing of the glory of God. I'm just telling you folks, you can't leave that experience and go back to where you were 20 minutes before the angel showed up. You'll never get back there again. Your life has eternally been changed by this encounter. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. So and and so we 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 the supernatural realm began to unfold as that as Jesus was coming on the scene, as he was growing, all the, all the you know, the, the gospel stories that we know, all that was unfolding. And to be a person in that moment, in that time, what I'm experiencing, it's eternally changing me and I can't reset from any of it. I mean, to, to have seen Jesus on the cross, and to experience all the pain and and all the anguish that went into watching that event unfold, preparing the body for the tomb, putting the body in the tomb, rolling the stone in front of the tomb, all the things that that would go into any normal funeral of that day. (sighs) Only to three days later, There he is. This isn't some thoughts that we have. This isn't, oh, wishful thinking. No, this is literally the Messiah standing in front of me, raised from the dead, sitting on the beach, cooking fish and saying, come here, sit down and eat. He was the elder brother doing what should have been, what the nation of Israel should have done he did as the elder brother. And at the same time, he now becomes a brother to us. And he invites us to come and eat. Not only that, and, and this, maybe I'm, I, I, I confess I'm branching a little bit off of Scripture here. And so you're, you're welcome to, to sort it out. But most of this is, is from the Scriptures. So Jesus, in his resurrected body, sat on the beach, started a fire, ate fish with the boys, talked to them about some things, appeared in a room, disappeared out of a room. Various things took place in that time between the resurrection and Pentecost. It says that at the resurrection... There were people that came out of the tombs, out of their tombs, and began to walk the streets. (laughs) This was kind of, we were joking about this yesterday. This was not the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) These weren't like half-decayed bodies walking around. These were people, and in their resurrected form, looked just like Jesus and function like Jesus in his resurrected form. Now, we're also told in the scripture that when Christ returns, that what's, what's going to happen? First, those that have died in Christ will return with him. And then it says, those of us that are alive and remain until his return. We will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Changed to what? Changed to look like him. And why is he coming back? To complete the work of redeeming the earth. There's a time and a season at Jesus' return when us, whether I have died and gone on to glory or I'm here when he shows up, makes no difference. We're all getting resurrected bodies. And in those resurrected bodies, Jesus is coming back to the earth. It's not us, I'll fly away. It's him coming down. The goal has always been heaven and earth together Jesus, everything that the scriptures are pointing to is pointing to what's going to happen in the earth. If you look at the end of Revelations, chapters 20, 21, the new Jerusalem comes down. There's still kings on the earth that are bringing their glory into the the new Jerusalem, and there's still people that are not yet clean outside of the new Jerusalem that can't yet enter in because they're unclean. And then, now this is... This is where I, 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 I don't think I can fully substantiate, substantiate this from Scripture so you can do what you want with it. But in my, in, my, in my musings about what that looks like, can you imagine the earth, however many billion people will be on the earth at that time? The believers are changed. We didn't leave, the airplanes didn't crash, the elevators didn't stop working, cars didn't run into each other on the interstate. We didn't leave, we were changed. Now, you're a non believer, you're sitting in the office with Clarence. Clarence is sitting there working at his desk. You're working at your desk. All of a sudden, you turn around and you look at Clarence. And it's a different Clarence. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. He's been changed. He's now a resurrected body. I might have some questions for Clarence. That might actually prick my heart about my own place. Because now the testimony of Clarence is even more powerful than Clarence's testimony today. Because now it's the testimony of one that's resurrected, that's changed. Because God's plan is for the whole world to be converted. And of course, this piece I get very excited about. Because our loved ones that have died going to be here in resurrected bodies, and together we are going to advance the kingdom of God on the earth as resurrected members of the body of Christ. Can somebody still not convert? Sure. Free will doesn't leave. Love doesn't all of a sudden change the rules. I'm just saying the playing field is going to be radically different. I mean, right now, if you don't like what I'm saying, you can still kill me to get me out of the way. But once resurrected, go ahead, take your best shot. You don't want to get in a gunfight with me. <laughs> There's, man, I, I don't know. I just I I am I, I am I find myself more and more thrilled with the vocation of God that He's given to each of us, in particular for me, because this is my vocation. I'm thrilled at that. And what what would it look like? And again, I this this piece I I, I don't feel I can substantiate it necessarily scripturally, but is it possible, at least, that the vocations that we have now on the earth, now I'm not talking about the stuff that vocations that we just, you know, it's just a job, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere, but this just pays the bills for today. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the vocations when we, are, when we know what we're called to do, and we do it. Yeah. Each of us are called to different things. But to do what you know you've been called to do is how life is rewarding. What if that isn't just for when I'm alive now? If we're coming back to the earth, what if there's things on the earth that I'm just going to pick up and keep doing that I was doing before Christ returned? And now I pick it up and I go further. Because the earth still needs the vocation that I carry I, I don't know I don't know that that's that's just that's just musings on my behalf but I can tell you what I can enjoy spending time there in the office So we've been rescued from sin and death so we can be the royal priesthood interceding for the world, ruling wisely and ruling over it as humans were intended. I'm, I'm not a disciple of Plato where I believe that the world is corrupt and dark and the only way is to get out of it. I'm also not an Epicurean that believes everything is self-centered in me and all I have to do is fully actuate and then I become you know my my own little god. I'm not that either. What I am is one that's realized that in following Jesus he now dwells in me and he's made me a temple. He's made me the dwelling place of His Holy Spirit. He's empowered me to live my life in the vocation to which I've been called. He's empowered you to live your life to the vocation that you've been called. And if you're sitting here this morning going, well, "I'm not sure," I'm not sure what my vocation is. No problem. I probably, when I was most of y'all's ages, I didn't know either. Sometimes. We catch it early, but I think a lot of times the wisdom of our vocation comes over time and age. And the scriptures talk about how the wisdom of age, it doesn't knock us out. Those of us that are at my station or even older, we're, we're not knocked out. We're just, in a sense, we're coming into our stride. There's a bunch of Caleb's in this room. In our, in our later years, we'll still take mountains. Because it's the vocation I'm called to. And as I think, Diane, you said it earlier, but I, I, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When I find myself just invigorated by being in relationship with him, by being, you know, the, the, just the joy of having this relationship with Jesus. It becomes my strength. I don't know. I think Linda and I are actually somehow in the aging process. I think we started the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we were we were at a had a, a meeting with, with an advisor earlier this week, and you know, they're I bet, got talking about age, and so he says to her, which I totally agreed with. Um, how dare I not, actually. But they, you know, he said, <laughs> didn't, didn't get to this age by being a dumb up, I'm telling you that. Um, but he, he says to her, he goes, well, you don't look 70. No, she doesn't. She's gorgeous. And of course, gorgeous is ageless anyway, right? I mean, just the way it is. But but just in saying that, there's we uh, to, to Joe's point, voices will come along and tell us that, you know, give us all kinds of things to get us discouraged to think, I blew it, there's no I I, I can't do it, you know, I I messed up, it got away, it did this or did that, did the other. No. No. You might have blown it, because we all do that. But don't worry. Your heavenly father already factored that in the equation. So it's there. So yeah, you blew it, but he factored that in. And what you thought was lost isn't actually lost. It's just waiting for the appropriate time to come back where you can actually manage it correctly. So I, I have a, a video that I want us to watch in just a moment. But let me let me read this, and then whoever's in the sound booth, when uh, when I finish this, just go ahead and and play that video. And during this video, you're welcome to uh, stand up or do whatever you want to do. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and a glorious morn. Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angels' voices. O oh, night divine, O oh, night. When Christ was born. O night, O holy night, O night divine. Led by the light of faith serenely beaming, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come the wise men from Orient land. The King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger. In all our trials born, be our friend. He knows our need. To our weakness, he is no stranger. Behold your king. Behold him, lowly bend. Behold your king. Behold him, lowly bend. Truly, he has taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. And that's not the end of the song, but that that's all that's on my paper. So let's, um, let's just enjoy this. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we stand before you as your image bearers. You have created us in your image. You have invited us to come and to walk with you. You have filled us with the Holy Spirit. You have given each of us divine vocations to reflect your glory on the earth. Lord, I pray for each one of us this morning as we go through this season and beyond that we live with a conscious reality that we are your image bearer and how we conduct our lives We do it with that in mind. Lord, that you have sent each of us into the world to bring redemptive quality until all the earth is filled with your glory. Thank you for the calling, thank you for this vocation. And in this coming, as we celebrate your coming, that the revolution has begun and you are setting things right and you will continue to set them right. And we do look for the day when you once again step foot upon the earth. and bring the fullness of this kingdom to all the nations of the world. Lord, we pray for peace. We pray for those, those places where uh, peace is not being seen, not being experienced. For the broken places in this planet, Lord, send more of your light bearers, into every one of those areas, that justice and righteousness shall reign upon the earth. In Jesus' name, for your glory, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Amen.